0: This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 1-1 one one Clothing Company making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at line one, one clothing on Instagram. And last but not least Monzingo knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo knives and get your American made Monzingo knife today. Hello, and welcome to The Show Up Dad. This podcast is created for hardworking fathers. At The Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for the children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today, my special guest is Miguel Rodriguez. He is a husband for 10 years, and he and his wife have three beautiful children, a boy and two girls. He is the first generation lineman in his family. Okay, he's also the first generation college graduate, the first generation dad to his son, which is really important. He's been in line work for six years and is currently a foreman. He finished a college degree in organization management while completing his apprenticeship, which is a pretty big task. Uh, Before that, he spent six and a half years in behavioral health field where he learned how to diffuse hostile confrontations verbally. Miguel is also a Marine Corps infantry veteran where he deployed to Iraq twice in 06 and 07 with the 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, 2nd Mar Div, which is a great honor because we love our veterans here on the show. Uh, there, he learned how to defuse hostile confrontations physically, which was completely different than the time in the behavioral health field. He currently lives in South Jersey, but is originally from North Philly. He grew up in Kensington and moved to Jersey almost two years ago as line work opened up that opportunity. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: Hey, hey, David. Thank you. Thank, I appreciate uh, you having me here, man. This is a blessing. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Like always, brother, I just want you to just tell us a little bit about your childhood, if you don't mind.
1: Um, yeah, just before I start, I just want to say this is going to get a little deep. Uh, you know, and I hope that uh, you you like Deep, and I hope that your listeners like Deep. Uh, I guess the best way to describe my childhood, if I'm looking for just one word, uh, is be the word cold. I just had a really cold childhood. I guess you can say, you can also say cold, sprinkle with a little bit of warmth, you know. Um, I remember uh, just early on, my mom, you know, she left my dad when I was around four or five. And I remember moving to Philadelphia and Kensington, North Philadelphia is not one of the friendliest places. I remember uh, just, you know, as a child feeling betrayed by my father, you know, for not being there. And then I remember, you know, my mother kind of looking for that, you know, that companionship and and the men she brought into her life. You know, a lot of them just weren't, they weren't decent at all, you know, and uh, just being betrayed by that. And. And there was other things that I, you know, I, I struggled with. Um, I was, I was, you know, and I, I share this because I'm, I have, you know, I'm able to today, but it, was, it took a long time to be able to share this openly. I was sexually abused by family members uh, as a kid, and I remember, um, you know, that really uh, just that, coupled with everything else, it just it really affected me, you know, in a way that to this day I'm still having to deal with it. I'm still having to, you know, wake up every day and, and make choices um, that that take me that turned me away from <clears throat> from that darkness I guess that's the best way to put it so just some little I guess memories that you know make my childhood cold I was I was around seven or eight years old and um when I witnessed my first murder I remember um this guy walked by me and something was just off about him he kind of had a limp to him he seemed a little off you know I'm I'm a little kid. I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm seeing. And remember not, not long after that, a car drove the wrong way. I'm almost hit a whole bunch of kids. You know, we were all playing in the streets and pulled up next to this guy, man, and just, just let this guy out, man. And I remember, you know, that was, I mean, that was, I was around seven, eight years old. And that was like the kind of like the start of, you know, besides when my mom left my dad, I was the start of just this, this darkness you know you know not long after that i had a i had a sister who witnessed a murder and i showed up right right after the scene and um everything had transpired and I remember just seeing the blood all over you know the the street there and just seeing my sister in shock and and it was just horrible you know and i remember you know fast forward a couple of years after that and i'm talking about this cuz this this is i'm trying to paint a picture you know
2: mm-hmm. of my, yeah.
1: of my childhood and a lot so that people can understand like, like where, I, where I came from, you know, and how far I've come, you know, and uh, remember, I went to school one day and my youngest sister decided to stay home. And I remember coming home from school, I think I was like 15 years old, man. And, you know, my house was a crime scene. And I'm over here like, hold on, what the hell is going on? Like the police won't let me in the house. Come to find out, man, somebody broke into my house. And my sister was sleeping upstairs and this, this guy was, you know, he was trying to steal something obviously. And he saw my sister sleeping, and decided he was going to try to rape her. And, uh, you know, luckily my sister was able to fight him off, but man, he, he beat beat the crap out of her, man. She was beat pretty bad. She had raccoon eyes. She was in the hospital, had to be out at the hospital, you know, uh, had, you know, head trauma. And um, yeah, I mean, these are some of the things, you know, I had to deal with uh, just growing up. Uh, One good thing, I guess, you know that that warmth I talked I talked about my friends growing up, they were all kind of in the same the same boat. You know they were, um, I guess, product of single mothers, right? They they never their dads weren't in their lives, and so we all kind of stuck together, right? We we you know we got into fights together, we had each other's backs together. None of us had dads, and so we tried to be there for each other as best we could. Um, you know we we try to hang on I guess as long as we could to a lot of a lot of the guys made it as far as like nine or tenth grade in high school. And a lot of them started to drop out. You know, a lot of them started to turn to drugs, selling drugs, uh, doing drugs, and just giving into that that lifestyle, you know, that was very that was prevalent in, in my neighborhood growing up. I remember, you know, growing up and and just with with all this, I don't know, just this 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 weight that I kept I was carrying as a child. I remember thinking to myself, like, I need a I need to find an escape I need to find a way to get out of this place you know and I remember I came up with a plan and my plan was at all costs I, I could not get a felony you know and uh, I mean I got arrested I had a misdemeanor and stuff like that but I could not get a felony because my plan was that I, once I graduated high school I was going to join the Marine Corps and I was going to get as far away from you know that that neighborhood as far as as, as far away as I could and it was so interesting because my, my plans sort of backfired, because uh, I joined the Marine Corps a month after I graduated high school, and I went from a, a bad place and I ended up going to a worse place. Uh, wound up going traveling 3,000 miles and fighting in a war in Iraq. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. You know, I, I already had all these issues. I already had all these problems, and, and I didn't really understand, I didn't understand it, you know, and I come back from war. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think I'm all right. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, and, then I go back to war again, you know, and I think I'm all right. And obviously I'm not, and it's, it's just pretty cool to, to you know, just that picture that it paints and, and, you know, where I'm at today. Um, and uh, I guess, and I'll just say briefly here, we can get into more details later, you know, but um, it was Jesus Christ who, who definitely uh, was the one that stepped into my life and, and um, helped me and directed me it got me on the path that I am today. So yeah, so that's my childhood, man. It was, like I said, it was was dark. Uh, it was cold, uh, with a look, with a sprinkle with a little bit of warmth. Uh, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing, and I have to give credit to my mom, you know, um, she was, she's always been a hard worker, always been a hard worker. I definitely got my hard work ethic from my mom. She was a single parent. And so she was, you know, she was gone a lot. She was always working. I remember there was a time in Philly where uh, the SEPTA, which is the, the, the bus services, you know, the, and the train services, they went on strike for like three or four months. And my mother had to walk five miles to work and five miles home every day. Wow. And she, she did that for like three months straight, man. And, and it was a part of it was in the, in the, in the wintertime, you know, and I remember
0: mm-hmm. looking
1: back at that time, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand it. You know, but I look back as a, as an adult, and I'm like, wow, yeah, my mom. You know, she she really did her thing. You know, and you know, she she made a lot of mistakes along the way, but she also, you know, she instilled and in, in, in me and my siblings, you know, things like that, like just hey, no perseverance, right, hard work. Um, you got to push to do whatever, you know. So, but yeah, man, that's that's a little bit of my childhood. <laughs>
0: It's amazing to see the level of sacrifice that parents will go through the level of uh, discomfort that we will go through to provide for our children. Right. Oh yeah. And uh, man, that's just pretty awesome to see that your mom was capable to do that for you guys to walk five miles one way, you know, just to, to make sure you guys are okay to, to provide for you. I mean, that was never something that should have been put on her shoulders Right, because we all know that it's the man who needs to provide. Um, you know, that, and at the risk of sounding sexist or anything like that, you know, we have we have a duty as fathers. You know, and that's to provide, protect, and and provide that covering for our families. Um, it's interesting to see how with the father gone in your household, the how that protection was gone. Oh yeah. You know, and, and I've seen that in other people who their fathers are gone and stuff like that. You know, um, I had a past guest on here, Hassan, how he talked about, you know, once again, inner city and um, his father was gone as well. And his mom was looking for a mentor for them. And she kind of pushed him to this priest. Right. Well, this priest took him under him and his brother underneath his wing and molested them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh you want to talk about total just abuse of trust and power right there. I mean, there's a special place in hell for people like that, you know.
2: Yeah, that's hard, man. That's and, really hard.
0: But I mean, it was that level of of um the mother trying to do the right thing, trying to to find a father figure for her sons, right? And uh, you know, it's just unfortunate that that had to happen, especially with someone who should have been trusted. Right. Yeah. But uh, you know, needless to say back to going, on what I was saying, you know, it's our responsibility as fathers to provide that covering that protection that our children need, because there's predators out there. There's bad people, as you said, you know, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is since you saw, and, and this is just for me personally, because I was a victim of violent crime mm-hmm. as well growing up. And uh, I've shared that story several times, but, uh, it almost seemed like since I had been in a violent home growing up, you know, from abuse and, and, and physically and verbally and whatever, it's almost like I had attracted that
2: oh.
0: to where I grew up liking violence. I needed, it was almost like a high that I needed, whether it be fighting or shootings or stabbings or whatever, right? Um, Eventually, I went into the military. And, you know, I said I would never join the military. I was one of those guys. I was like, I don't want to go to the military. But in that moment of me being stabbed, I absolutely hated my fellow man. And I wanted to get into a position to where I could protect myself because I didn't feel like I was being protected. And what better place to learn how to do that by going into the military? is what my skewed thinking was, right? I gotcha. But uh, it's pretty interesting, man. Just uh, do you think that the violence that you had seen that kind of had a sway in your your thoughts of, like you said, about how you went from a bad place to a worse place, going into violence of, the, uh, of war? Do you think that kind of...
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the Marine Corps was my get-out-of-jail you know, free plan. Right. And, and it was also, you know, I didn't have a dad growing up and it was also a place that I felt I might somehow learn how to become a man Mm -hmm. Um, up until that, you know, to that point. I I mean, obviously my dad wasn't in my life. So I had always been looking for my father. I'd always been looking, you know, for a male role model. I remember, you Mm -hmm. know, growing up in the hood, "There, there aren't that many male role models. You know, <laughs> and if they are, if, they, if, they, if they're around it's hard, it's hard to see them because all the, you know, all the the, the idiots out there, you know, they just kind of take over, you know. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the Marine Corps is so interesting. I've, I've talked about this in the past before the Marine Corps and then being infantry and then going to war. So there was like you said, there was this violence in my heart. Right. But I guess the best way we described it was there was just a monster inside of us, and um, and there was a monster inside of me. And I remember, and when I was in war, I didn't really, I didn't understand that monster. I didn't really even know the monster even existed. But I, but when I was in war, that monster came out, and I and and it was the first time in my life where I, I just, it was just this, and it, and the bad thing about it was I actually liked it. You know, it was, I mean, you you were given full reign to the violence that was in your heart, you know, to the, the wickedness, the anger, the hate, whatever mm-hmm. it was, you know, I mean, we were, we were savages, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's so crazy. A lot of guys today, and I believe a lot of them, you know, they don't want to talk about it. A lot of them struggle with just some of the things that they did over there that mm-hmm you know, we would be considered less than, than than human beings because of how evil it was, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're living with these regrets, you know, they, they just can't get away from. But they, I mean, there was, these are things they committed. And it's sad because we were young, you know? I mean, I was 18 years old um, when I when I first went to Iraq. I turned 19 in Iraq. I mean, I was a little boy. I was a kid, you know? So I was I was doing things. And I mean, I don't regret my time. I don't mm-hmm. regret it at all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was doing things at 19 years old that I didn't truly understand, like what it was that I was really doing. You know, we were um, doing, you know, it was just, I mean, and I don't want to get into like details, right. But it, it I mean, yeah. there were horrible, horrible things, you know, things that, that, that brought that monster out of you. And then the, the crazy part about it was, right. So you're at war and you're given full reign to let this monster out. And then you get brought back to the States and they're like, Hey, you know, here, you have to act normal again, you know, mm-hmm. and I always had a hard time. It was so funny. They would say, you know, you're either a garrison Marine or you're a field Marine or a, a war Marine in our time. And, and I always fought at home in war. And I felt when I was coming back here, I felt like this was a lie. You know, I felt like it was an illusion over here and I had to play this silly game where I'm falling in line and I have to have my haircut, I have to be right. And my shave had to be right. And I have to salute, you know, whatever, whenever I went back to war, I felt like that's where I belong, you know, and, and I think I'm not the only one that, that felt that way or even today could talk about it and feels that way. Um. So, yeah. And then, and then another crazy part about it is when I was getting out the Marine Corps and we was going to the do the, 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 you know, sep- the, the SEPs or the separation classes or whatever. And they're like, Hey, now it's time to turn the lights off, you know? And I'm like, well, what the hell do you mean by that? You know, they're like, yeah, you know, during your time here, you were, train to do this and train to be this way and told to do this and totally to do that. Now you're going into the civilian world and you have to turn all that off. And I remember asking the guy, I was like, well, how do you do that? You know? And the dude's like, you know, you have to figure that out for yourself, Marine. You know, I, I don't, I don't know how to, I, how to, you know, I can't do that for you. Mm-hmm. And man, that was so like hard to really, comprehend or take in you know like hold on so you're telling me you train me to be this crazy maniac person and now i got to go into the regular world and i have to turn it all off like that's insane man you know um and then you're 21 years old you know you're still this kid right they say you know our brains aren't fully developed right men till we're like 25 or whatever they might have pushed that 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 age back or whatever but man it was insane so so yeah like going back to what you were saying man that that violence grew, you know, so that mm-hmm. violence that I had as a kid, I, I was a very like timid kid growing up. I I remember, um, you know, in school, I started off in elementary school, you know, I, I used to get bullied all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And man, it sucked, you know, it sucked so bad. I remember up until fifth grade, I was getting bullied. And then I went from getting bullied. And then in middle school, man, I became a bully. It was I didn't understand it. You know, I'm over here smacking kids around whatever you know and i remember one day this one kid tries to fight me and you know i wind up embarrassing him in front of all the girls and he was he was crying you know and in that moment like i had a realization moment like oh snap i remember how it felt when i was in your shoes you know and and i apologized to him and i told him never again would i ever put my hands on him and i vowed that they would never bully anyone ever again you know and then uh, i go to high school and i got friends that are getting bullied you know And, and one on one occasion i One of my buddies is like, he has like a black eye and I'm like, well, I'm gonna go have a conversation with the bully. I just wanted to ask him, hey, why you do that, man? You know, and next, you know, I'm over here beating the bully up, you know, so so funny. I went through this transition of like, hey, being bullied, became a bully, beat the bully up, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and 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 it's just there was always that right. That violence, that anger, that 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 brute strength was always in me. And the Marine Corps definitely the infantry definitely brought it out of me, man. And, and I liked it. I liked it. And it was dangerous too, at the
0: same time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The Marine Corps does have its ways to hone the stuff that's in you. Right. Um, it definitely has its place. Um, they do make warriors. That's one thing Mm -hmm. the Marine Corps for over 200 years, that's what they do. They make straight up warriors, you know, and they're good at it. Um, It's kind of uh, sad to see, though, that there was no transition for you to come back. You know, everybody starts off as someone's little angel, right? We all start off and whether it be in the military or whatever, right? We all start off as someone's little angel, right? This little child who's innocent and everything. And then through life, we get dirtied or sullied or stained from whatever life throws at us, right? Because life's hard and we mm-hmm. transition from this angel this beautiful little angel that was someone's child into this other thing this dark thing that you talked about right and we get to this point where we're either going to be the victor or the victim and yeah, that's no. what we got to choose you know and that's life you know are you going to be the victor or are you going to be the victim and sometimes the choices we make aren't the greatest you know and it's sad, it's sad. I mean, our, our penal system is filled with guys who made the wrong choice. You know, guys that, you know, man, for lack of better words, I, I, I mean, I have friends who came into the line trade and they had spent 14, 15 years in prison, right? Wow. And no one else gave them a chance at all. And in the line trade, right? Being a a tramp lineman, now they're able to provide for their family. They didn't have to go back to a life of crime because why? Now they're making good money, a solid career where they can provide the things that they never had to their families. And that's, you know, just touching back on, you know, just being blessed and, and operating from a state of gratitude, man, the line trade has been such a blessing, especially for guys like that, you know what I mean? Who had made wrong decisions. I mean, myself, I mean, I went to jail. When I got out of the military, right. I went from getting right out of the military to going right to jail, going to Arizona on probation. I mean, I spent six months oh, in wow. jail, dude. I got in a fight with a cop. Right. And, uh, know <laughs> he was a cop. Told me I was going to yeah, get you... off <laughs> spending six you months there. Yeah. I lost, lost that, that fight. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that followed me. I mean, I, I, I had a degree. I went to school when I got out of the military. I, I, I remember, praying every night man i'm like man i'm applying for this job you know to do it work and now i'm going to lose my job because i have to put down that i had a felony right Mm -hmm. over some stupid mistake i made as a child i was literally i was as a child i was 23 years old at the time you know what i mean 22 23 you're still a child you know and uh yeah so i decided to make the transition into line work as well you know my whole family are linemen too so That was that was an extra bonus there. But I mean, you know, it was a place where we can come as men because we're all alpha men and utilize our skills, you know, what I mean, utilize that drive that we have to be able to get a job accomplished, because no matter where you go in the country, all linemen are the same. You give us a job, we're going to make it happen. Right. I mean, you oh, have yeah. a few bad apples and stuff like that, who are labor fans yeah. I mean, or, we know. may not
1: all be, we may not all be good looking. Right. But we definitely mm-hmm. are the same in that sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, it's pretty awesome to see your transition and stuff and going through the military and uh, you know, just, we, I just want to thank you for your service, brother. Honestly,
1: yeah, I, I, you're welcome, man.
0: You know, it's always good to have you guys come on here and, and talk and stuff. You know, I want to be able to transition now. How did you come into the trade, brother? If You don't mind me asking.
1: Yeah. So this is this is a fun
0: story. <laughs> I know uh, it really
1: is. It's so, you know, I, me and my wife. So real quick, because I kind of had to get a little back story. Right. In 2010, I got out of the military in 2009. and that whole year and some change i mean i was a wreck i was back in north philly and i was worse right i was this crazy maniac dude i was driving around with my shotgun like loaded in my back seat like Mm -hmm. brass knuckles like just ready for whatever i remember one night some like guy showed me his little gun in the chinese restaurant you know i don't know if you know anything in philly all the Chinese restaurants they all have like uh, bulletproof glass or whatever so you can only like order from like a little window you know oh yeah yeah so this so this guy's like waiting he says something funny to me and I'm like what you saying bro you know And he's like showed me his little gun and I go in the car and I go get my shotgun you know my buddy's like what are you doing man where are you going you know <laughs> and I'm like I'm like I'm gonna go show this guy my gun you know he's, he's showing me his little gun I'm gonna show him what a real gun looks like you know and he's like "No, oh, man stop come on man let's get out of here and he talked me out of that you know who, who knows what would happened in that Chinese restaurant you know and uh but that was like kind of my, where I was and where I was headed and then September 2010 I remember the night prior man I was drunk I was high I was just you know wild and this there this was this, this girl my buddy was dating I, I you know we wanted to sleep on over at her place and I wake up the next day and her mom had come home from church i guess she came home to bring her son and her mom is like uh well the the son right he's like and i was you know i was up to no good i know some things happened in that kid's room i you know i can't really talk about right now right Mm and um and the the mom this kid is like hey man i want to take you out to my room you know i I want you to see my room and i'm like kid i don't even know you like you know no, that's i feel uncomfortable and he's like, no, man, come on. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I go, I follow this kid. He wants to show me his toys. And man, the grandma traps me in this room and starts talking about Jesus Christ. And I remember I'm like, man, this lady has got to be out of her mind, man. She's just like talking about Jesus. Like I'm hung over. Like, what do you want? You know? And mm-hmm. she asks me two questions, man. The first one, she goes, hey, um, do you read the Bible? And I was like, you know, not really. You know, I was like, I know Psalms 23, because every time, you know, someone died in Iraq, that was a, you know, that was a Bible passage that uh, the the chaplain would read, you know. So I memorized that. I was like, but not really. I don't really read the Bible, you know. And, and she was like, she had, then she goes, do you have any problems? You know, do you have stuff going on in your life? And I was like, yeah, I got a, man, I got so much stuff, you know. And she goes, well, what are you doing about it? And I remember it was the first time in my life where I kind of had to like stop and pause and think like, you know, am I, am I even really doing anything about it? You know? Mm. And, and I really wasn't like, she really, I was really challenged in that moment, you know? And, and then, you know, she starts talking about Jesus and the conversation kind of ended right after that, you know, it was nothing to it, you know? And I remember that night I found myself in this car, there's guns all over the car and, you know, there was guys, It was a Puerto Rican day parade, uh, that of that year 2010 we're stuck in traffic and the guys in front of us they're like stealing the puerto rican flags from you know from the parked cars and the guys in, in the car i was, in was like hey man let's let's blast these guys you know mm-hmm. and i remember i'm in the car like hold on what you know they're like yeah we're gonna shoot these fools you know whatever and i'm like for what you know they're like because they're stealing the puerto rican flags and i was like man let me out the car man i'm 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 not i'm not gonna be a part of this you know i'm not gonna just kill somebody just because they're stealing a the flag like who the hell cares you know And I remember the one guy like walked up to me afterwards and was like, look, man, if you're going to be a part of this, you're either going to be in or you're going to get yourself killed, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it was like a real, like, it was another realization moment, right? So that lady, it was a realization moment. And then that was a realization moment. I realized like I had been playing around with these guys that were gangsters, right? But I hadn't really fully committed myself to that life. And I remember two days later, I was laying in my bed, man. And I'm just bawling. I'm crying. I'm not really sure like where I'm going, what I'm doing in my life. And I remember that lady was talking about Jesus. And so I was like, you know what, if this Jesus is real, man, I'm, I'm going to just cry out to him. And I did, I cried out to Jesus. And I, you know, I didn't really like say, I guess, you know, what, like everybody usually says, all I said to Jesus was this. I said, Jesus, if you help me, you know, if you save me, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is what I'm this is what I'm saying I'm going to do. From here on out for the rest of my life, I'm I'm committing to live my life for you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, you know, what I got to do. All I'm saying is if you if you save my life,
2: mm-hmm. from
1: here on out, I'm committing my life to you. And I tell you what, man, that night my entire life changed.
2: Wow.
1: And I can't really I can't really describe it, you know. I I just know that when I woke up the next day, I wasn't the same person I was the day before you know, and, and that was, that was the start of my new life, you know? And so now fast forward, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my wife were kind of having some difficulties in our marriage. I was working in the behavioral health field at the time. And my wife was a manager at a pet adoption center. So she was working really long hours
2: because mm-hmm.
1: they had just started this pet adoption center. So they had needed there longer. And we had our, our first child, you know, Gabriel, and um, he was, he was at a babysitter almost all day, you know, I'll come home, I'll pick him up or he was at daycare. And it was really, my wife was really struggling. You know, she's like every day, she's like, man, I'm not spending enough time with my son. Like it hurts me, you know, this that, and the third. And it was causing issues in our marriage, you know? And I remember I I go to her, I go, look, so, you know, I, there's, obviously there's a problem, you know? So what is it that you need? You know? And she comes back to me a couple of days. She's like, look, I want to be a stay at home mom. And I want to be home. I want to be with my son. And and I go, all right, well, I guess I'm, I have to find a job that covers everything. You know, I was like, I don't even know what job like what, what like where do I even find a job like that? Right. Like covers both our, our paychecks and then covers all of the medical for all of us. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember I prayed. I'm like, God, like, hey, this is what I'm throwing out there. I need a job that does this, 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 that and a third. And I'm leaving it on you. And man, then I got to work, man. I started applying and interviewing with so many different companies and spots and places. And I remember going into interviews and I felt like I was like practicing. You know, I was like, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to practice with this and I'm going to go in and then use that interview to go over here. And then hopefully I land this job and whatever. Like it wasn't work, really working out anywhere I was going. And I wound up interviewing for some kind of like, uh, it was a position in the safety part, department of uh, a big contractor out, out, out here. in in Pennsylvania and the guy like the guy liked me, right and he's like he's now the CEO of the company and whatnot he's like he's like look man I like you he's like you don't really have the experience that I'm looking for um he was like but have you ever thought about becoming a lineman and I remember sitting in that room and I'm like what the hell is a lineman what are you talking about man he was like he's like I think he would do really well as a lineman he was like do you he's like do you research here's my number call me back and I remember that night, like, I dude, I was like, I did a, sh- sh- you know, a ton of research. Like it was, I was all over the place. Like I figured all this stuff out about line work. And in a couple of days then I knew like, this is what it is, you know, like, this is the job. Uh, this is what God has let me. I called this guy up and he helped me through the whole process, man. And I think it was like six months later, I was already in the apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that, so, you know, I was in the apprenticeship. It was like June. And then by December of that year, my wife was a stay at home mom.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was,
1: it was amazing, man. Like just the way God moved, you know, the way he opened the doors, like he just made it all happen, but I, I had never driven a truck a day in my life. Right. So, so it was so funny. I go to get my CDL, right. Mm -hmm. I got a CDLA and uh, I get my permit and I go through the hall to, to this third party, you know, guy and, I failed the test the first time, right? But I mm-hmm. I saw that they left the keys in the truck, so I showed up on a Saturday, and and the the you know it was still like the little testing center. So I man I I, must, I was there like four or five hours just like doing the test by myself, you know, so I could pass it or whatever. Yeah, the the little backing up portion and all that. So I come that following Monday, and the guys like, man, you're like you botched the last test. I wasn't expecting to see you for a couple of months, and I'm like, come on, man, like let's get it, you know, let's get it done with, right? So. I passed, I, I passed the back, you which I had failed before. And then we do the road test. And, and this guy's like, he's like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, man. He was like, you're probably going to kill somebody someday. And I was like, what, you know, like, dude, this guy's like, he's like, you don't know this truck. He's like, you suck as a driver. Like he's just like laying into me, man. Like <laughs> hardcore. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this is terrible. Like I'm filling this test again. I'm going to have to pay, you know, $175 or whatever it was. Yep. And then at the end, at the end of it, he goes, He goes, and by the way, man, you passed the test. I was like, what? You know, he was like, yeah, man, you passed. Congratulations. I was like, oh, my goodness. But he was like, but then he was like, but I still think you're going to kill somebody, so you better know how to drive. (laughs) I was like, man, you're wild, you know, and uh, it was just, it was awesome. You know what I mean? And um, But then, you know, here I was, my wife, you know, less than six months later, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she's been a stay-at-home mom ever since, you know? And, uh, it's just been a blessing. It's been a blessing on our family. Obviously, you know, a lot of things to overcome, but that's, that's how I ended up in line work, man. It was, it was, uh, it was a prayer, uh, hard work Mm -hmm. and, um, and just, you know, and then just, just good people, you know, that God put in my life, you know what I'm saying? Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the cool thing about this trade is that you're going to run into people who want to help you out. You know, I think that's one of the Big things that people fail to recognize is linemen want to help people that's our job you know that's what we're called to do you know what do we do when we go put on the lights we're helping people we're restoring hope you know and uh if you give a lineman an opportunity he's going to want to help you you know just don't waste our time <laughs> you know yeah, know. And, uh, yeah that, that that's awesome to see that man you know because there's so many stories out there i, I know countless guys who were they were no one wanted to give them a handout, you know what I mean? But they're willing to give them a hand up, you know, and be like, Hey man, I think you can really do this. You know, this is a trade. Maybe you'd like look into it, you know, and Mm -hmm. give you the opportunity. And then at the end of the day, it's up to you whether you're going to squander that opportunity or not, you know?
1: Exactly. And that's, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because, that's one of the things I definitely remembered, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't handed to me. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just, Hey, here you go. Here's a, you know, here's a, a free check or whatever. Right. I had to work my butt off to get mm-hmm. in here, you know, and, and then coming from where I came from, you know, I got people like, Hey, I want to get in. And I'm like, Hey, you want to get in? Like, do this, this that and then call me, you know, and they never call me. Why? Cause they, they're not willing to put in the work. So I'm not going to waste my time on you. If you're not willing to put in the work, put in the time, you know
0: what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, brother. Um, so Miguel, I wanted to transition this topic. Okay. Um, it says here that you went to school, right. And you worked with behavior health and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, learning how to diffuse confrontations, both, uh, physically oh, yeah. and stuff like that, um, behavior health field. Um, can you share a little bit about that? Um, I wanted to transition to this topic cause I want to, Have you talked to us about diffusing hostile situations in life, right? Whether it be at work, with our spouse, with our children, you know, and just kind of give our audience some suggestions, you know what I mean? And how to deal with hostile environments, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, no doubt, man. So obviously a little bit of background, my time in the Marine Corps, I was infantry. And so everything revolved around, you know, hands on, just destroying whatever right i was i was i mean i was trained to be a killer that was what was ingrained into my mind you know and then the funny thing was you know and and this is why i'm i'm very adamant in saying that god has a, a interesting a great sense of humor i guess right so he puts me in a behavioral health field the job uh was a job that involved diffusing hostile confrontations, but they were hand, it was hands off. I remember they told me like from the very beginning, like, Hey, we're going to give you this job. But if you put your hands on somebody being a Marine, we're going to fire you. Like, you're not going to last here, you know? <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, man, how the heck is this going to work? Like work out for me? You know, like, I i don't know what the heck I'm doing, you know? And so it was so funny. I, I mean, it was like instances, man, where like, I got these, these, you know, they called them participants, right? People with, with these, these things that they're struggling with in their lives. And they're literally yelling down my, my you know, down my throat, like, like a drilling instructor, you know, but but it was different, right? Because in the Marine Corps, you know, you, you kind of, you, you know, like, all right, this this guy has some sense to him, you know, he's, he's probably not going to just smack me out of nowhere for no damn reason, right? Mm-hmm. Well, these people, on the other hand, they would, you know, I remember on one occasion, I get called up to the fifth floor of this building and I walk into the room there and this dude is like banging and kicking the doors. He's saying, let me in, let me in. He wants to talk to his therapist. As soon as I walk in like this guy, look, he looks at me, he goes, you get the hell out of here. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know? So I I turn around and I walk out, right. My job is to diffuse the situation. But one thing you realize real quick, right. If Mm -hmm. you're not like like, and and this is the way I, I would explain it to my guys when I, when I was, when we was working there, you know, like, a hostile situation is like a fire, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, uh, I guess, you know, water, right? Anything that 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 makes that fire, you know, come down or, or turn off, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if you're not that to the fire, then you're an you're an igniter, right? So you're mm-hmm. you're actually adding fuel to the flame. Mm-hmm. And so when I walked into that room and that gentleman, you know, flipped on me the way that he did. I was fueled to the flame so I walked out of the room and I was gonna get another guy to come up and see if they would have but you know better luck than me but I'm waiting by the elevator man and this guy comes like I remember just he's running at me man just full speed and just starts like punching me bro like well hey. like, and hit me punching me mm-hmm. in my head like I'm blocking in my you in my mind I'm thinking like oh man like I, I, at one moment you know I, like I see I see the window and I'm like man I could just leg swipe this guy and just drop him right. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, oh, I'm going to get fired. Like, that's not going to work out, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I, I really need to make this money, right? I, I need to provide for my family. And so I waited just a little longer. And finally, he, like, grabs, he grabs my collar. And I was able to at least grab his hands and push him up on the wall and pin him to the wall. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't hurt him. I didn't do anything to him. I just held him there long enough. And he calmed down. And, man, he turned into, like, this little kid, man. He was so docile afterwards. And he goes, hey, man, you broke my watch, you know? And I'm like, hey, man, you punched me like eight or nine times. You know what I mean? And,
2: <laughs> and he just,
1: he like walks off like nothing. And the funny thing was I never had an issue with that guy ever again after that. Every time he saw me, it was nothing but respect for me, you know? Um, that was more of an extreme case, right, where I'm dealing with this guy and I had to keep my my composure, keep my emotions in check, you know? Um, but then there was other times, right, where, you know, and i tell you, and I guess – this is the greatest weapon I had when I was working in that environment. So this is a, a verse I wrote it down because I wanted to share with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh it's Proverbs. Let me see if I can find it. I got it in here. It's Proverbs, I think it's 15.1, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I remember like I applied that every day that I worked in that environment. Every time someone would, you know, their their energy level was through the roof and they were irate and just going off, I would always try to stay as calm as possible and and just stuck to my guns of, of being as gentle as possible in the way I answered them. And what I learned from, from doing that and applying that and, and, and that, you know, in that situation or in those situations was that oftentimes these people, you know, there were individuals that needed some kind of help. Mm. And, and I couldn't see that they, they were really hurting, you know, and they were expressing that pain, you know, through, you know, the way they've been expressing themselves probably their whole lives. Right. Yeah. And when I was able to kind of slow myself down and, and, and just take that gentle approach, I was able to see them differently in in a different light and it turned into like, I remember one situation I get caught up again to the fifth floor. And man, this guy was huge, man. He was like, Jack, I remember I opened the door and this guy starts taking his clothes off, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, like, I don't want to like some naked dude like coming up on me and on top of that. Like this guy is like Jack, you know?
2: Yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and, and I, I kind of like, I kind of paused for a second. Cause I was like, yeah, this is definitely a first. Right. And then one of my, <laughs> one of my partners rode up next to me and you know, he's been, do- he was doing a lot longer than me, you know, and he goes, he tells this guy, he goes, he goes, Hey man, he's like, do you want help? And the guy's like flipping out, right? He's cursing up a storm, whatever. He's like, yeah, man, I want help. He's like, but I'm gonna tell you right now, you know, ain't nobody going to help you if you take, if you have all your clothes off. So you got to put your clothes back on. Mm-hmm. And this guy like stops. He looks at him and sure enough, man, he starts putting his clothes on. Right. He starts putting all his clothes on and I'm looking like, hold on. What? Like what the hell is going on here? Right. And the guy's still flipping out, whatever, right? You know, he's scary, scary dude. And this guy's like, hey man, he's like, you want help for real, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, anybody gonna talk to you if you can't calm down, you know? And sure enough, man, this guy calmed down and, and he was able to get some help that day. And so, you know, these are situations where like, we're not experienced, right? We see people acting like that, or going off or whatever. And automatically like, we're afraid. We're like, oh my goodness, what's going on here, you know? Um, and I was able to experience firsthand how like oftentimes these are just individuals that need help, you know, and and if we're willing to kind of be a little selfless in those situations and, and be listed, like we have that, I guess, that active listening mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can actually get to the root of what the problem is, you know, but but it takes it takes you. It takes me, you know, pausing. And truly becoming an active listener in those moments. And you we have and you have to approach it. You have to be gentle, you know? Mm. You have to be gentle. And it is interesting because this is something that I I've been struggling with. You know, and I'm not a perfect, nobody's a perfect person, right? No, not a perfect dad, obviously, right?
2: Yeah.
1: I had this, this little uh I have I have struggles with anger, right? And mm-hmm. my youngest daughter, my two-year-old, uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago, you know, she man and i'm sure you've had this right she's like dad i poop you know
2: yeah
1: and i'm like all right baby i'll be right over you know i'm cleaning the dishes and she's like dad i poop and you know she stuck her hands in a diaper man she has crap all over her hands you know like oh yeah (laughs) now crap all over the couch you know what i mean like i was like oh my so so in that moment like instead of like just pausing and like seeing her for you know she's just a little baby like come on let's work this out I kind of yeah. like lost it a little bit, right? I'm like, oh, what do you do? You know, and and like she looks up at me, you know, with her little eyes, and she just like curls down and she just starts crying. And then I realized in that moment, like, oh man, I messed up so bad, right? Mm-hmm. And and it and it brought me back to like, hey, like I need to pause and I need to handle even this, this, you know, them small situation. Like they're not, I mean, they're small for me, right? But they're those are big situations for my two-year-old, you know? Yeah. And so it's something that we have to constantly practice, right? You pause and then you, you just, you gather your thoughts and you handle it in a, and try to handle it in the general way, as best as you possibly can, you know? Um, Because it's important. It's important, not just, you know, for, for you, but it's important for those around you, those you love, you know, people in general in this world, you know, and line work is the same way. It really is. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been put in situations where guys running in their mouth, man,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, I just, you know, I'd be like, oh, okay, man, you know, all right, and I just, I had to take it, you know, and I just, and I will answer gently, and what they say, killing with kindness. I'm not more, I'm not much of a killing with kindness kind of guy, you know. I'm if I ever came down to it, I mean, I know I can handle myself, right? But yeah, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess. And anyways, we could talk about some more. I don't know if you want to get into that. I could, I could get in a little bit more into like how I handle, uh, just the approach I take the line work. I definitely can talk some more. I don't want to take too much time on this topic though, so.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, I I like what you said, Miguel, about being slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger, right? Mm -hmm. If more people were to do that, would be able to see that most of the time people just want to be heard. We're in a society now where people are in pain. They got issues that are deep-rooted and people need to be heard. They they want to be heard, and you're absolutely right. They're gonna act out in this this fashion that society deems is 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 not okay, right? And they're gonna try to get attention. And it's the same thing with our kids. You know, a lot of times with our children, if they're acting out in a way, it's probably because they want to get your attention, good or bad. You know, and you know, it goes back to like, say toddlers, you know, our toddlers start screaming and stuff like that. Well, What are the first two things or or even, you know, our infants, you know, they don't know how to communicate what's going on with them. All they know is that they're uncomfortable. And they're probably hungry, or they're tired. So what do they do? They scream. Mm -hmm. So we do that as we grow up as well. You know what I mean? When we don't know how to communicate what's going on inside of us, we're going to try to get that attention. And, I like what you said, dude, you know, just take that time to step back and see, okay, what's really going on with you. That's one of the big things that I learned with this podcast, you know, in order to be a good podcaster, I had to learn how to listen, right? Mm, Yeah, that's, that's part of my training, you know, um, now that I am a pastor, this has helped me tremendously to be able to listen to people and, and seeing where they're going, you know, what, what's, what's really the deeper issue with them. Right. Um, but I, I really liked what you said with that, uh, Miguel. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about your platform that you have. Okay. I thought it was pretty cool because you do these skits, right. Um, a lot of times when I was in the military, we had this one guy and, uh, his name was uh, Ray, right? His, his first name was Ray, but his last name was like Mancini or something like that. Anyhow, long story short, the homie, he would do these skits for the instructors. And he was always drawing them out and stuff like that. And he would kind of diffuse the situation because like, I mean, this guy got beat, dude. I mean, literally every day he was either going to go get wet and sandy or in the dip tank or whatever. You know what I mean? And it was during our dive phase. We're learning how to dive. And this guy was just consistently getting beat, dude. But he would write these skits, and the instructors thought he was so funny, and it diffused the situation. So I kind of want to ask you: mm-hmm. How do you see comedy as diffusing a situation or being lighthearted? I guess.
1: Yeah. So. So Lyman gossip, right? So yeah, my thought behind it, there's, I mean, just I, I look at line work; it's like a big famine. You know right and like any family there's always going to be issues in in the family and there's always going to be areas that need to be that need improvement you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: and doesn't matter who you are right you've you're in line work you've come across you know something that you know maybe rubbed you the wrong way or something you didn't agree with or whatever yada yada
2: mm-hmm.
1: things and they're like eh whatever you know they they don't want to deal with it you know and then there's there's other guys, you know, that look at those things and they go, hey, man, you know, like I think, you know, something should be done. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, it needs to come, go across the board or whatever. And, and oftentimes, you know, you can't just open your mouth everywhere you go. Right. You're going to piss everybody off and nobody's going to want to work with you or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, and so I looked at I saw a gossip. as like, hey, this is just a great platform. Right? I was listening to one of Dave Chappelle's standups one day. He's like, hey, comedy is a great medium to handle the tough issues in life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's what I'm gonna do. You know, if, if there's tough issues that I see, you know, I, one of my posts was about, you know, lying women, right? So I, I I reached out to my local and I was like, hey, you know, the business manager, I'm like, hey man, you know, um, I would like to know like, what's the percentages of, you know, whites and minorities and break the minorities down, you know, to blacks, Hispanics, you know, other women, whatever, right? And he he gets back to me and you know, he gives me the numbers. And I was like, man, those numbers are terrible. You know what I mean? Like they were absolutely terrible. Like women were like below 1%, you know, and, and I get it. You know, some guys would say, hey, women don't belong in this trade, you know, they don't, they don't, they shouldn't be in their tools, yada yada, whatever. Guys felt that way in them in them in the infantry too. And women shouldn't be out here, you know, fighting the yeah. war, this, that, and the third, right? And now. And I understand it, you know, but in my experience, right, there was guys I was serving with that I felt shouldn't have been out there, you know, and I'm always, and we'll always be for whoever the best person is, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are, right. Where you come from, what race, what color, man, woman, I don't care what you are, who you are. If, if what you bring to the table is, is, is great, right. If you're a great lineman, you put out your hard work or whatever, like, that's what matters to me. You know, I, you're going to bring more to the table than somebody else who's just like, hey, I'm just here to collect a paycheck. And there's a lot of guys like there, out, a, a lot a lot of guys like that out there, you know? Oh, yeah. And sure. so, and so, yeah, I created, you know, the post, you know, I was talking about line women and just some of the, the the stories that get passed around and ruins the reputation and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that happens often, but it does happen, you know, mm-hmm. and there's other, there's other things, you know, that happen. That aren't necessarily being addressed, and you know, and, and so I, I see lineman gossip as, as that too. So, and then there's all the things that I'm I'm planning to do in the future that I think are going to be important for the trade. You know, I see that, for example, there's a lot of older, there's a whole generation of linemen that's kind of retired now, right? There's a mm-hmm. we're losing a whole generation of 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 wisdom, of advice, and you know, for example, like you know. Um, There's linemen who, you know, they came up in the trade and they all they did was free climb, right? And then today yeah. everything, everything is the buck squeeze, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's, you know, those guys, they have a ton of information to share, a ton of knowledge to share, you know? And there's a lot of young guys today, you know, coming through that, you know, just, you know, they need that information, they need that knowledge, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're not really getting it, you know? So uh, there's a project that I, that I want to get started and I'll get started soon where I somehow want to get that, you know, that connection going. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just excited, you know? So I just, I look at line work like, Hey, line work gave me so much. Right. So I just want to get back to it. I want to get back to it as much as I possibly can. And, um, and every way I possibly can, you know, my, my, my website is, is four topics, right? So it's, it's culture is our customer relationships, right? Mm-hmm. It's storm work. And then it's safety. And so, you know, those are all important things all across the board, right? Safety wise, you know, there's, there's, I've been, and I know, you know, you know, Bill Martin, you know, I've been, I've been talking to Bill Martin and just, you know, just sharing things with him and he's been, you know, passing me books that I've been reading and it's just, it's a whole different world, you know, it's just so much to learn. There's so much, you know, to do in that sense. And and there's so much that's lacking. It's funny, having a conversation with even my safety department, you know, it's like, I always felt like there's a gap between um, just safety and in the men, right? I got a post coming, it'll be coming out soon where the safety guys on one side of the, of the grand Canyon and the lineman on the other side and the safety guy goes, Hey, this is a safety topic for today, you know, and the lineman on the other side, like, Hey, what is he saying? I can't hear him, you know? (laughs) And, And there's this like, there's this like great divide between them two, you know, and, and a big, a big part of it is obviously experience. Right. But then another big part of it is just the communication, you know, mm-hmm. there's a big gap in the communication, you know? And so these are all things I think, you know, someone needs to get on and I mean, I, I'm not waiting for somebody else to do it. I'm just going to go ahead and and just get it going.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. So And I agree with you hundred percent, Miguel. There is that, 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 great divide between safety and then that guys who actually doing the trade um i had a a guest that came on earlier today and he talked about how even with our children right when you tell our children to do something they ask why and a lot of times our tendency as fathers is because i said so well that's what's happening in our trade you know if we can explain the why to the younger generation right from the older standpoints and and try to get that across and be like okay we do this because of this this is the reason why i think if we can really really break down that why why we're doing a certain thing i think it'd be more open and acceptable to to accept the new culture the new safety culture that's going around i grew up free climbing okay I grew up with just rubber gloves. We didn't have, we didn't use sleeves. You know what I mean? Unless you worked, you know, as as a contractor or whatever, you know? Um, But with that being said, there was no injuries. We didn't have as many fatalities or injuries. And, you know, we did some, for lack of better words, some ratty stuff growing up, you know what I mean? But that's because the old guys that are gone, retired or dead, that's the way they learned and that's the way they showed us you know what i mean and now that i'm a lineman instructor i see now i know the why behind okay well this is why you do this or this is why you do this you know so i'm able to take the with the the new right and break it down and be able to implement some of the old things that are not being taught like keeping your elbows in you know don't have that false sense of security by having sleeves on so now you're leaning on a second point of contact right mm-hmm. and i think that's what's getting lost and that's why i'm glad for the position i'm in because i'm able to teach the old with the new now
1: yeah that's great man
0: but that's uh absolutely miguel thank you for coming on here brother uh how can they get a hold of you if you don't mind sharing with our audience oh uh, yeah
1: you can um you guys can check me out man uh, lineman and, you know, you can subscribe to it. You can reach out, you know, in any way, you know, through there. You just go to my contact page. Um, that's, I guess that's the best way to, to get a hold of me. I guess my website, I mean, my email as well is uh, journeymanlinesman at gmail.com. If you ever just want to shoot me an email, um, talk about whatever, you know, I'm, I'm always open uh, to talk about anything. I really am. Anything you might have heard today. You know, I've been through a lot of my life. Uh, and I've, I've seen a lot of triumph as well, you know, so reach out to me.
0: Right on Miguel. Thank you for coming on, bro. And just sharing your story with us. We deeply appreciate you, brother.
2: Thank you so much for having me, David.
0: Absolutely.